be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, I have to say I watched a a portion of my first NFL football game over the weekend. And it was because I'm such a big Tom Brady fan. Um, and uh, Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a squeaker at the end at, in uh, New England. And uh, that was something to behold. It was really great to see the camaraderie and what was going on after the game. And just the, the, love, and the love and the atmosphere. And that's what we need more of. Two people or two entities, you know, people competing on each side and and coming together and really integrating and and breaking bread after the the win or the the loss or the, the victory or the defeat. I think those are really lessons that we need to be teaching our children. Everybody doesn't get a trophy, but everybody could break bread together. You know, in the World Championships over the weekend, uh, we had the, and it's still going on, you can watch World uh, World Wrestling Championships in Oslo, Norway, uh, today at 12 noon on the Olympic Channel. You might want to check that out. Um, but uh, we had a uh, world champion in Kyle Dake, and uh, we had a couple of people take, uh, take, take other medals. But uh, also over the weekend... We had several interviews that were kind of important and very key. But Dr. Fauci came out and like clockwork, doubled down. We're going to talk today about Merck and their ivermectin replacement that somehow now works. Yet they pretty much used ivermectin and tweaked it a little, repatented it, and now instead of it costing $2 a pill, it's going to cost you more like $1,200 a pill. So it's pretty sad that the pharmaceutical plants have held out for money. And then we're going to expose what I think is going on around the world. And that is the whole thing that's going on in Australia. This whole pay-to-play scheme. The pay-to-play scheme where politicians are taking bribes from companies like Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson to push their drugs and to mandate. 
And every time I hear, oh, children are now going to be able to take it. You know, like Fauci, there's not one audience in the world he doesn't want to sell. He's constantly selling. Every time he pushes the vaccine, instead of getting together with your family for Christmas, he's pushing and he's selling a vaccine because he's got a duty. I think some of these people already brought home the bacon with their votes. They already got paid and they voted. And now they, they have to actually honor their commitment. They have to sell the product. Just like if you're a sports guy and at the end of the day, you got to sell that monster drink or whatever it is that you're selling. And it was rather funny this weekend when NBC's reporter was covering this guy named Brandon in an NASCAR race. And of course, they're still chanting for the $81 million, um, 81 million vote candidate, fake candidate, F. Joe Biden. And she says, oh, look, they're, they're saying, let's go Brandon. And it was clear and obvious so it's kind of amazing that they would get away with that. We also see a man-made shortage with the cargo ships. And you wonder why it is that this government is doing everything they can to destroy our country. And the answer to that question, I think, lies in the origins of the Obama regime. And late last week, there were photographs of Susan Rice leaving the offices of Nancy Pelosi. And I think that this $3.5 trillion omnibus is just as scary as all can be. And that you need to read. There was this one very bizarre situation from page 168, and uh, I'm going to draw a reference to that later in the show. But one of the things I want to do now is play a clip from Dr. Fauci talking about how it's too early to tell whether or not we can celebrate Christmas with our family in the year 2021. Oh, by the way, nothing for nothing, but uh, Tedros the lead chief from the WHO talks about a new virus. We're going to talk about that. Let's take a listen to Fauci. You know, Margaret, we, we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell? You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. We've just got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down and not try yeah. to jump ahead by weeks or months and say what we're going to do at a particular time. Let's focus like a laser on continuing to get those those cases down. And we can do it by people getting vaccinated and all. Listen, he's going to sell the vaccination to two new groups because he's. He's not Fauci the doctor. He's Fauci the vaccine salesman. Listen to, the, listen to how he pivots now to get back on his agenda of selling a product. The people getting vaccinated and also in the situation where boosters are appropriate to get people. We can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell. So it's basically get your booster, get your vaccine, 
And I hated the liberals. Liberals were in our discussion forums over the weekend. And um, they were like, oh, big whoop. Big whoop in New York. You can't go and walk in a restaurant. It's like, how about jobs? There are nurses that are losing their jobs. Military people that are losing their jobs. Remember that guy Schellinger, though? They got up and spoke up against the Afghanistan pullout and got himself you know, thrown in jail, arrested. That guy that was speaking up and saying he can in good conscience, he expects a, demands an apology from his leadership and that what they did in Afghanistan was foolish and he's standing up and speaking out and has developed a GoFundMe page for his wife and all this stuff. Well, it turns out he wrote a memo trashing Trump as well. Then he trashed Obama in the same memo. And I'm just like, what makes this guy tick? Trump's, he, he agrees with Trump's foreign policy, but he would, he would rather stay in jail than to support Trump. I, I couldn't get over reading that. And I just want you all to know that that guy, I think, has got a screw loose because he's a man in the military on a mission that has zero ability to take a stand for his country that represents the lesser of two evils. And that would be me applying that to his standard. To my standard, the biggest blessing we've received as a country was Donald Trump. He was not an evil. He was not the lesser of two evils. He wasn't a hold-your-nose vote like John McCain was to me or George W. Bush was to me. Donald Trump was a, uh, how can I vote for this guy early and often? What can I do to help this man that's helping our country? I've never been so enthusiastic about voting for somebody other than I felt pretty strong about Mitt Romney. Boy, was I wrong on that one. That one got me. I was, uh, I was wrong on that one, I have to admit. But um, I want to also bring to light Tedros, who spoke out. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Australia. There's countless tape about Australia. Why is Australia important? Australia is important because it tells you where we're heading. They're a precursor to what we're going to be doing. And that's a problem. And so here's Tedros. Close contacts who have been identified as high-risk close contacts. Marburg is a very different virus to the one that caused COVID-19. But many of the elements of the response are the same. Isolating and caring for those infected, tracing and quarantining their contacts, and engaging local communities in the response. There is no licensed vaccine for Marburg, although there are vaccines under development. And WHO is working with our partners to seek opportunities to assist them during this outbreak through the 
RND blueprint for epidemics. So it's called Marburg, M-A-R-B-U-R-G. It's part of the globalist communist election 2022 strategy. And I, I, I know it is because Joe Biden slipped up and said, made a reference to the next pandemic. And you got to say to yourself, dude, what are you talking about the next pandemic? The last pandemic was like, what, the Spanish flu in 1917? This is a once a century deal, not a once every other year. But see, they looked at the successes that they gained to control populations. They look at it as part of the social credit score system. And that's how they're playing this out. That's what they're doing. And I got to tell you, Senator Ron Johnson knows what he's talking about, but only because he doesn't listen to the CDC anymore. He gets his reports from Israel and from the United Kingdom. Let's take a listen to Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. The type of data that we're not getting from our health care agencies, so we have to look. But let's look at some data. The type of data that we're not getting from our health care agencies, so we have to look, unfortunately, to England and to Israel that are more transparent. Now, I don't, rec- I don't expect anybody to be able to read the figures here. I'll give you, I'll give you the highlights, but I'm, I'm showing that this is from Public Health England. This is one of their, their federal health care agencies. This is from their technical briefing number 23, dated September 17, 2021. It covers cases for about seven and a half months, from the beginning of February to February 12th. What the data shows is that during that seven and a half month period in England, there were about 750,000 new... By the way, uh, Senator Ron Johnson misspoke there. He meant to say September 12th because he's talking about seven and a half months. Let's take a listen to that one more time, just that part. ...period in England. There were about 750,000 new COVID cases. About a little under 600,000 of those were the Delta variant, about 80%. The number of deaths associated with those 600,000 Delta cases was 2,542, which gives us a case fatality ratio of about 0.4. Now, again, case fatality is higher than infection fatality because these are actually registered cases and there are all kinds of infections that never get registered. So to put this in context, an infection fatality rate for a bad flu season is slightly under 0.2, half of this. Just going to put things in perspective. Now, President Biden, and this has been parroted by media, news media, said that what we are currently experiencing is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. They don't give us really any data to back that up. They just proclaim, pronounce that 99% of people with COVID now are unvaccinated, but they don't give us the data. But we have data from England, and here's the data. So of the 600,000 cases in England, 43% were with the unvaxxed. 27% were with the fully vaxxed. Another 30% were with partially vaxxed or just undetermined. But I think what's interesting, because here's another quote from President Biden. 
President Biden said, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to, to an ICU unit. You're not going to die. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, maybe that's true in the U.S. I kind of doubt it because in England, of the 600,000 new cases of Delta, of the over 2,500 deaths, 63% of those deaths, 1,613 people were the fully vaccinated. 28% were with the unvaxxed. Now, this is information the American people have probably never heard. It's information, by conveying it, I will get attacked, I will be vilified, I will be censored, I will be suppressed. It's one of the reasons I'm coming to the floor of the Senate to reveal this information that the American people need to know. So 63% of those dying were fully vaccinated and 28% were unvaccinated. That's according to official numbers at the UK. We're not being told those numbers because the CDC has lost all credibility. And so is Dr. Fauci. When he makes a statement or a claim like this, about the was To compete against our global competitors, we need great tax policy on our heads. Can we take another shot from tax policy? The major reasons for high coronavirus spread are, and the top reason that Republicans gave in this poll was immigrants and tourists bringing COVID-19 into the U.S. Are immigrants a major reason why COVID-19 is spreading in the U.S.? No, absolutely not, Dan. I mean, if you just look at the data. No, that's an absolute lie. And looking at the data, trust the science is what he's going to go on. People gobble this stuff up who watch CNN. And look at the people who've gotten infected. Look at the people who are in the hospital. Look at the people who've died. This is not driven by immigrants. This is the problem within our country the same way it's a problem with other countries throughout the world. I mean, the idea when you have 700,000 Americans dead and millions and millions and millions of Americans getting infected, that you don't want to look outside to the problem. The problem is within our own country. So the tagline on CNN says, poll, Republicans think major reason for COVID spread in the U.S. is from immigrants. So now Fauci's here to debunk that myth as a myth and go on with what just absolutely doesn't make any sense at all, which is that 15 uh, or or hundreds of thousands of people coming through with the disease, because out of the millions, uh, 20% came through uh, with the the, uh, virus. And they're basically saying that they can't spread. Certainly immigrants can get infected, but they're not the driving force of this. Let's face reality here. The CDC director said, you know, the last time I heard Fauci say the is it's not a driving force was when he talked about asymptomatic spread, not being a spreader. And that would then he changed his mind and that changed everything, 
including the lockdowns. On Friday, that the agency is reevaluating what's known as Title 42. That was an order uh, done on an emergency basis. Okay, so I know that part of the interview. He doesn't know anything about Title 42. He stays clear of that. But I want you to take a listen now to this damning allegation from the Australian, um, from an Australian leader. And um, let's see. Okay, we're going to find this. So um, what it is is the this Australian leader. I just uh, just disappeared from me, but um, we'll get it. So he, what he did was he made a uh, allegation, basically saying that the uh, Australian politician, wow, just when you need something, you lose it. Oh, here it is. So here's what I wrote. Two weeks ago, an Australian politician named who is who is a former mar, uh, member of parliament in Australia. His name is Clive Palmer. Accused the now resigned Australian Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian. And basically, he said he 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 lodged serious allegations against a key politician and some of the most consumed vaccine manufacturers in a pay-to-play scheme. On Friday, the accused politician resigned, okay? So here, there's both clips. There's the allegation by the former member of parliament, Clive Palmer, and the resignation by the former Australian premier of New South Wales. Now, Australia is the one that's basically become a police state. And we'll, we'll, we'll play a clip that indicates that. Here's Clive Palmer. Um, both Pfizer and AstraZeneca would not allow their products to be sold in Australia unless the Australian government gave them a full indemnity. If they killed anyone or maimed them, they wouldn't be responsible, the government would be. So I find that a very disturbing thing, that the government didn't take the view and say, well, if you're confident in your product, you should stand behind it. You're up here today. Mm. It's irresponsible. Well, I don't believe that, you know. But what but, would you say to those well, business owners that can't open their business well, because I would say it's terrible. their Premier's telling them that the only way out is a double jab, and that's what they've been told. Yeah, I'd say their Premier's lying to them. I'd say that she's under an IPAC inquiry, that a particular lobbyist in Sydney controls the Liberal Party in Sydney and has told her that the only way she gets out of that inquiry is if she pushes the double jab, and his clients are AstraZeneca, and his clients yeah, are Pfizer. That, that's what I'd say. Well, if you don't want me to answer the question, you know, I'll answer the question to start with. That's what I'd tell them, and I'd say that what the Premier's telling them is not true, and that that policy, should, they shouldn't be locked down, businesses should be open, and the, and the government's using this as an excuse to destroy them. And that's, they know that. Do you, that, that's, they, 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 do you think that the Premier of New South Wales wants to destroy business? I do. And, and, why, why would she do that? Because it's her economy. Because, she, as I tried to explain to you, that she's being directed by a lobbyist in Sydney who's being paid by AstraZeneca and by Pfizer tens of millions of dollars to get these policies through to make sure the vaccine is, is pushed. That's why. You asked the question, I gave you the answer. And that's my personal knowledge. And I'm happy to make a statement here to police or to anyone. To make a public statement and won't be taking any questions. So this is Gladys Berejiklian. Uh, apparently, she's Armenian, and um, 
She is now the former premier of New South Wales in Australia. I was advised late yesterday afternoon the Independent Commission Against Corruption will today uh, release a public statement in which it will state it is investigating allegations made about me concerning matters relating to the former member for Wagga Wagga. Therefore, it pains me to announce that I have no option but to resign from the office of Premier. My resignation will take effect as soon as the New South Wales Liberal Party can elect a new parliamentary leader. In order to allow the new leader and government a fresh start, I'll also resign from the New South Wales Parliament once I've consulted the Electoral Commission on appropriate timing for a by-election, given the COVID restrictions. And there was another shot of that where they were watching a whole group watch it on a video, and they all applauded because people are hating their leadership. And that's the sad truth. Now let's listen to Australian under military control, not a word of condemnation from any other government about what's going on in Australia. But the Australian Lieutenant General, Fruin, commander of the COVID force operation in Australia, will make sure everyone gets a dose by Christmas 2021. We need to get the number to 70%. What has Scott Adams from the Scott Adams Show been saying about that magic number, 70%? And I add to this post, 70% is the magic number to gain full corporate buy-in to, unconstitu- to, unconstitutionally, uh, to unconstitutional draconian lockdowns. Corporations are not bound by constitutional protections like the government is. So the only way the government can fulfill their dream is to not only have progressive, progressive um, judges that don't see the Constitution the way you and I would see it, but also to get the corporations to do their dirty work. And here's what the Lieutenant General Fruin from Australia had to say. I'll uh, make sure that I'll make sure that everybody gets a dose by Christmas. I'll uh, make sure that we put everything in place that we can to get to 70 as fast as we can, and then once we've got to 70, we'll have a look at working to get to 80. So once we get to 70, what's the 70 number? Why 70? Of course, we know because we've been listening to Scott Adams' show. But I dare say I'm the only one that's talking about this 70 percent situation. And to getting back to the um, former member of parliament, Clive Palmer, he was talking about how AstraZeneca and Pfizer were trying to get out of lawsuits, trying to get out of being liable. And they, they were basically requiring that before they distributed their drugs. And I got to tell you, we're seeing report after report. In fact, it was very interesting because Mark Lamont Hill, a political pundit for CNN, a black political pundit, uh, lives in Philly. I've known of him for quite a long time. He's as liberal as the day is long, but a nice guy. Um, got into this debate about how being unvaccinated is just a, you know, a moronic state of affairs. 
you got to be a moron if you're unvaccinated. And next thing you know, he's fully vaxxed and comes down with blood clots in his legs, has a mini stroke and a minor heart attack. The guy is like 42 years old. He looks like he could be on a soccer team. I mean, the guy's totally physically fit. And this is too completely out of character. Now, he had some Achilles tendon surgery, but it doesn't make his argument that good. He's going to have a full recovery, but, you know, we've played other clips of people who were college athletes. They could Their senior year is lost as an athlete. Well, late, last night around midnight, I received a friend, I mean a text from a friend who basically has siblings who are surviving and okay, but they're very liberal. She's surrounded by a, a lot of liberals. And she, out of the blue, because I haven't heard from this woman in, in a while, she says, hi, two of my siblings have had strokes since they took the vaccine. And two friends can't see since the vaccine. A son of a single mother of five has testicular cancer that spread to lymph nodes and on heavy-duty chemo since the vaccine. She said, please post this for me, as they would kill me if I posted it. Only one of them is not in denial. Yes, if you post this, please don't tag me, but good information for people to know if you deem appropriate. That was the message that she sent to me. And she's afraid to lose her friendships and build divisions within her family for this. So she can't say what she wants to say. And that is a sad sad place to be in our country. Talk about dividing our country. People want to try to tell you that it was Donald Trump that divided our country. It is not. Now, I want to switch gears because we also want to talk a little bit about we want to talk a little bit about um, the, 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 the Durham John Durham uh, indictments. Cash Patel thinks that we're going to see indictments for Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson and more. So over the weekend, he was with Marie Bartiroma, and this is what Cash Patel had Staff, to say. Cash Patel. Cash, I want to know from you when you believe the FBI figured out that the lies were coming from the Clinton campaign. I know that in January 25th, 6th and 7th, the uh, FBI did meetings with the subsource on what exactly was in the dossier. And at that time, they told them uh, that it was garbage and they made it up. They had beers and embellished. But when do you believe the FBI figured out that all of this was just one political campaign trying to take down another? 
I think they knew right away in the documents that we put out in okay. the Nunes investigation, the Nunes memo and the Hipsy uh, report on Russian active measures show that the FBI knew right away because their FISA abuse process, now that declassification process is complete and your viewers can read it, that the FBI knew the information was fraudulent, they knew the credibility problems with Christopher Steele and they knew the DNC through Fusion GPS and Perkins Coie were piping in tens of millions of dollars into the, into the machine so that they could get up a FISA warrant on President Trump. So I think they knew right away, which is why I think wow. the individuals the FBI need to be held accountable. Wow. So they knew that it was garbage, and yet they still pursued, pursued, pursued a FISA warrant mm -hmm. to uh, wiretap Trump organization members like Carter Page. Will John Durham reel yeah. in any big fish, in your view? Yeah, and let me I, I believe so. Let me just put this in perspective. When I was running large-scale conspiracy and fraud investigations, they took me three, four, five years to prosecute. John Durham's only in his second year of the most political scandal in U.S. history. So I believe within the next six months, look out for indictments against the folks like Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson for helping perpetuate this fraud. And look out for the bigger fish like the Andy McCabe, who is the biggest fraudster next to James Comey. I think you're going to see these indictments start coming out on the individuals at the top. Uh, it's just going to take a few more months, but I'm, I remind your viewers, it takes a little bit of time to work these matters. Unbelievable. And no, you know, no surprise, the mainstream media gave them all jobs. All right, quick, uh, quick move on yeah. to uh, Afghanistan. What really is getting me is the politicization happening within the military. President Biden says mm -hmm. he strongly opposes an honorable discharge for service members who refuse the COVID-19 vaccine. He doesn't want them to get discharged with honor because they won't take the vaccine. Your thoughts on what's happening right now in terms of the military and all of these vaccine mandates? Well, you hit it on the head. It is the ultimate politicization of the one apparatus that should never be politicized, starting with Millie Austin and Blinken and Biden. Look, it's offensive to me to see my special forces brothers that I served with have to step aside because they won't take the mandated vaccine. These are the guys that killed bin Laden. These are the guys that killed Baghdadi, that took out Soleimani, that go and rescue our American hostages overseas day in and day out. And they don't want their names to be known, but they want to serve their country. And for President Biden to force a vaccine on them is outrageous when he won't even force a vaccine on the tens of thousands of Afghan refugees that are now coming into the United States of America. The height of hypocrisy there is outrageous, and it's showing with this it's politicization of the national security apparatus. And extraordinarily, last week we saw General Mark Milley admit that he's been talking to all of these writers with their anti-Trump books mm -hmm. instead of having a uh, serious and well-thought-out plan out of Afghanistan. Your thoughts on what we learned on all of those uh, hearings and testimonies that we uh, heard last week uh, from Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin blaming the State Department uh, for delaying the evacuation of civilians out of Afghanistan. Look, you were there. You. You, you ran the DOD during the Trump administration. Your sense of all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's outrageous. I mean, Millen is the, Millie is the new Kraken of the swamp for a reason. I mean, he's the most apolitical figure by law who's become the most political. Instead of spending time informing the president on how to safely evacuate out of Afghanistan, he's giving book interviews and lying to the American people. And instead of uh, Lloyd Austin going into Congress and telling him we had a plan, not an evacuation emergency, he's telling the American people he doesn't even know. The Secretary of Defense does not know if there's a thousand American citizens stranded in Afghanistan or not. And they have no plans to go and 
get them because they don't have a plan in place to work with our allies and on the ground. Instead, they're bringing home caskets of American soldiers because of their disastrous efforts. And then, you know, the U.S. government has failed the American public in the national security apparatus when they start blaming one another. The Secretary of Defense is blaming the State Department for not removing Americans. The State Department is not the Department of Defense. The DOD has the planes, the helicopters, the soldiers, the necessary equipment yeah. to go in and safeguard our personnel, not the diplomats. It's outrageous, and Re this is just going to really get Really disturbing. Real quick, we've got to jump. We're about to talk with Senator Marsha Blackburn about this, but you think we're going to go back to Afghanistan, that we're going to be forced to send troops in? Yeah, look, al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS-K are already on the rise. It's what happens when you don't have a... Uh, conditions-based withdrawal like we did under President Trump. It was what happens when you don't keep okay. Bagram Airfield the brain center of our operation. And it's going to force us to go back in in probably about a year time, tragically. Uh, all right. So that's Cash Patel. He's, uh, he's somebody I have great respect for. And uh, just somebody you, you want to listen to. Um, any chance you get. Uh, but I want to I also let you hear this Hugh Hewitt interview with Dr. Fauci. This is from about a week ago, but it's pretty amazing. The controversy since the virus started include the botch testing at the beginning, no research on masks for children in primary care, the J&J &J pause, the controversy over the, um, uh, the use or non-use of ivermectin, and there was no study yet completed. Dr. Collins told me it's not done yet. The, uh, the no discussion of, of natural immunity, which exists and ought to be out there. The discussion of herd immunity, which is switched back and forth. The mask discussion at the beginning, don't wear masks, the noble lie, and then wear masks. Now, equity issues in the FDA panel scientific discussion. I've lost confidence in the CDC and the FDA. And I actually believe a lot of Americans, a significant part of America, now I've lost confidence in you, Dr. Fauci. Is there a point where you will say, I do more harm than good because people don't listen to me anymore and step aside? No, absolutely unequivocally no, Hugh. The controversy. What an arrogant, arrogant little man. I don't think there's anyone I dislike more than Dr. Fauci really incredible and we have one last clip and then we're going to go to some some really great tidbits of information but let's go ahead and take a listen to what Rand Paul has to say with an Israeli study that had uh, 2.5 million patients and found that the vaccinated group was actually seven times more likely to get infected with COVID than the people who had gotten COVID naturally Senator, I'd have to get back to you on that one. I'm not familiar with that study. Well, you think you might want to be if you're going to travel the country. This is Javier Becerra he's talking to. Insulting the uh, millions of Americans, including NBA star Jonathan Isaac, who have had COVID, recovered, look at a study with 2.5 million people and say, well, you know what? It looks like my immunity is as good as a vaccine or not. And in a free country, maybe I ought to be able to make that decision. Instead, you've chosen to travel the country calling people like Jonathan Isaac, and others, myself included, flat earthers. We find that very insulting, goes against the science. Are you a doctor or a medical doctor? I've worked uh, over 30 uh, years on health so policy. You're, you're not a medical doctor. Do you have a science degree? And yet you travel the country calling people flat earthers 
who have had COVID, looked at studies of millions of people, and made their own personal decision that their immunity they naturally acquired is sufficient. But you presume somehow to tell over 100 million Americans who have survived COVID that we have no right to determine our own medical care. You alone are on high, and you've made these decisions, a lawyer with no scientific background, no medical degree. This is an arrogance coupled with an authoritarianism that is unseemly and un-American. You, sir, are the one ignoring the science. The vast preponderance of scientific studies, dozens and dozens, show robust, long-lasting immunity after COVID infection. Even the CDC does not recommend measles vaccine if you have measles immunity. The same was true for smallpox. But you ignore history and science to shame the flat earthers, as you call them. You should be ashamed of yourself and apologize to the American people for being dishonest about naturally acquired immunity. With I like the fight. I like that we're fighting back, and I like what's being done. I'm disturbed by the meetings that are taking place by the Obama regime, like Susan Rice, meeting up with Nancy Pelosi. I want to read a couple of tweets and just sort of get through, you know, a bunch of different things. We got one more short clip to talk about vaping and maybe the possible origin for this, for this, uh, uh, I think, scamdemic. So here's a tweet. It says, my RN daughter told me that on her shift last night at our Capitol's hospital, three patients in their 30s, fully vaccinated, died from cardiac arrest. Another fully vaccinated in, their, in his 40s died from a blood aneurysm in the lungs. There's only eight C patients in her floor. Candace Owens writes, I've got a feeling the government is lying about vaccination rates and it's way less than what they are reporting. I believe that too. I believe they're widely exaggerating how many people are vaccinated. You got black leaders and black groups speaking up in Brooklyn against this. And I believe that they're fudging these numbers because they're trying to get the corporations to carry their water and do their dirty work and endorse these draconian mandates and restrictions because they know they don't have the constitutional protection to do it themselves. And I'm speaking about the government. So when Candace Owens writes, I've got a feeling the government is lying about vaccination rates and it's way less than what they are reporting. They're becoming more and more extreme in their threats. And the only reason that would make sense is if the majority of people were not complying. So they're forcing groups that they can force the medical industry, government, the military, to get that number up. They're trying to push it on children. They're trying to expand the audience because they figure children of liberals that have bought in and drank the Kool-Aid will get their children vaccinated, and that will jack the population number up, even though it's children are not what we're concerned about. But they need that number to get to 70. Okay? 
So Emerald Robinson writes, how's everyone enjoying Big Pharma running the U.S. federal government today? <laughs> Kevin Surdy is an ER nurse on Long Island. I'm pro-vaccine and anti-mandate. Okay, so he's different. In my department, four nurses either resigned or will be fired due to the mandates. 24 administrators have been fired. Another fi- This is something you would never see in a pandemic. That your whole healthcare system crumbles when you need it the most is what they're saying. So Kurt Schlichter says, my rights not to get vaccine, get a, get a vaccine and not wear a mask are more important than your right not to catch COVID. Except you don't have a right not to catch COVID. You could stay in your crappy house if you want. I'm not going to walk around like a surf for you. And just like that, U.S. Marine who saved a baby in Kabul is now under investigation for appearing on stage with Donald Trump in his rally about 10 days ago in uh, Perry, Georgia. So Sophia writes, White House negotiators Brian Deese and Susan Rice leave Pelosi office ignoring all questions. Michael Knowles writes, How many breakthrough cases do there need to be before we're allowed to question the strength and barrier of the of the vaccine. And here's one that's really interesting. This talks about a new wrinkle in the origin of the virus. And it's uh, basically uh, this woman. Let's take a listen to what she has to say about vaping. I couldn't make out what she was saying, but she's talking about THC vape cartridges. Okay, I had to look it up because when you listen to her speak, you're not going to be able to make the difference. But when she says vape carts, she's talking about THC vape cartridges. Okay, let's take a listen. Okay, so I've contemplated sharing this for quite some time. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of nervous about sharing it. In September of 2019, before COVID hit, my brother-in-law died in a hospital in St. Louis. They said it was from a black market THC vape carts. And if anybody remembers right before COVID, there was a huge thing where they were saying that black market THC vape carts were causing some kind of lung condition and it was killing people. Mind you, we weren't allowed to discuss it, weren't allowed to announce his death, nothing. And mind you, I also got deathly ill after being exposed to him and I almost died myself. Well, isn't it crazy how six months later, COVID hits and same symptoms, same conditions, same ending result in the hospital, but yet nobody hears about those black market THC vape carts anymore. How do you think COVID was released? That's just food for thought, right? I had never thought of that until I heard her speak and I thought, wow, that's another delivery system. So Emerald Robinson wrote this in May. I thought this was very insightful. She says, predictions for 2021-2022. The vaccinated will begin to get sick and die in large numbers. Those deaths will be used by governments to start endless lockdowns, like in Australia. And the unvaccinated will be targeted as dangerous and deprived of their civil liberties. It'll be the unvaccinated that is to blame. 
And then she says, do you think that the premier of South Wales is the only one being directed by lobbyists who are paid tens of millions of dollars by Big Pharma to push the vaccines? Or do you think it's probably everywhere around the globe? Globalists around the globe. And you remember, it was the the Australians that were talking about the New World Order. Every time I hear that phrase, it makes me wonder, right? New World Order. Who says that? So Tim Swain writes, fully vaccinated SCOTUS Justice Kavanaugh tested positive for COVID. Example, number 10 million, why the mandates are anti-science. And by the way, the CDC head basically said that the vaccinated can transmit. So that's game over for the mandates, in my opinion. Melissa Tate writes, Sounds to me that Merck has repackaged and renamed ivermectin and is now saying what we have all been saying. It saves lives. So ivermectin saves lives, but only when it costs $1,000 more. So Melissa Tate put out this other one. It says, here's a map. Countries that use ivermectin in Africa versus those who don't. And the numbers are like night and day in in Africa. And I thought that was pretty amazing. So New York restaurants, who are now forced to mandate, says business is down 40 to 60% due to vaccine mandates. Can you believe that? There's still study going into the origins of, and there's really great analysis by Jeff Carlson on the origins of the COVID virus. Meanwhile, we have a manufactured crisis. There's maps that are being put out, video, uh, air, air, air photo- photography, showing ships on cargo, cargo ships currently incoming that are being held offshore. The country is under attack from the inside. And this other guy writes in response to that, my company has co- containers on six ships that can, can't pull into port. So the FBI, they don't admit to keeping tracking, tracking numbers for Antifa violence, but they do with the J6 violence. You ever wonder about that? So Scuba Mike writes, Merck makes ivermectin. It was purposely smeared to make room for Molnupiravir, which is, which is something else they also make. Do you ever wonder why Merck never stood up to defend their human drug ivermectin? Now we know why. That's true. Why are the other why are the other governments not speaking up against Australia? Poland has. But other than that, why are other governments not condemning what's happening in Australia? And furthermore, why did Merck never have people stand up and defend their product, ivermectin? Why did they not do that? I think I know the answer, too. But uh, John Rich writes, Slowly, Americans are starting to realize that if they stay silent, they lose their country. Simple as that. Australia has reverted back to its original status as a prison colony because they did what they were told, what were founded by fighters. Time to start acting like it. 
We were founded by fighters. It's time to start acting like it. Mary writes, Who was responsible for the murder of DNC staff Seth Rich? Why was Donna Brazil at the hospital that night? And why did she fear for her life after he was killed? It was a random botched robbery. Weird. I can't think, I can think of a few subpoenas that should be issued. And I think Durham's report might turn up some things. And I think that's why he wrote that. So Emerald Robinson writes, what happens in, in the next, you should expect global chains of disruptions caused by a pandemic of cyber attacks from the shadowy hackers because the World Economic Forum is telling you to expect global supply chain disruptions. And Joe Biden's saying expect new pand- pandemics. It's a key part of the Great Reset. So Lauren Bobart says, do you ever think you'd live to see government of the people, by the people, for the people, become government against the people? And this is the question of the day. Can you name one Biden success? Now that was posted by Christina Bob. I would add to that question and say, can you name one Biden success ever? One ever. I don't think you can. And Catterd writes, the Biden regime is treating honest, honorable Americans like criminals and criminals like honest, honorable heroes. You know, Dinesh D'Souza reported upon this quite significantly years ago in 2012. Emma Robinson writes, Notice that you can't get an honest answer from any government agency or corporate media outlet about the hidden ingredients in the new vaccines. Do they contain nanoparticles? Do they contain graphene oxide? Those would be questions that we would all want the answers to. So Rahim Kassam says it clearly. They got away with a worldwide gene therapy experiment and no one did anything. And Rob Schneider writes, many Americans are waking up from their slumber and discovering the hangover of tyranny in the guise of safety. One last thing Peter Sweden writes about Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. A few under climate change fanatics protests and block roads and it's all over the news. Talking about Greta Thornburg. Hundreds of thousands of people all over Europe protest against COVID passports for three months in a row and nothing on the news. It's weird. And Equate writes, why can't people get tested for natural immunity and natural antibodies before being forced to take a synthetic vaccine? And then John D. writes the final one. How are we supposed to vote the people out in the upcoming midterm elections if we're still using the same voting process that stole the 2020 presidential election? And those are all great questions. So with that, we're at the end of our show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there